Good morning. Not long before the death of Jesus, as he traveled, he had gathered great multitudes. Lots of people came. And they came for lots of different reasons. Some people came because they really wanted to serve and follow Jesus. Other people came for the food. You know, we fed people a lot. Some people came for the miracles, to get healed or to have someone that they knew healed. Other people were just interested in this guy that everyone was talking about. What's he going to say? What's what's his message going to be? How interesting that would be. Other people were jealous. They wanted to see how big a crowd that Jesus was drawing. They were deceitful. They were trying to find something that he said that they could use against him and trick him up. The Bible says, now great multitudes accompanied him, and he turned and said to them. What did he say to those crowds? There's no doubt that some people in these crowds had real problems in their life, had real heartache, real suffering. Some of these people's marriages were probably not happy marriages. Some of these people probably had health issues. Some people had worries and concerns. Some people probably had a real problem making a living and earning enough to support their families. What do you say to those people? They got me to thinking about us and the problems that we have. And I was thinking about, you know, there's some bad stuff can happen, right? Uh, It was mentioned that a 13-year-old boy took his life. I mean, can you imagine it? That got me to thinking, what is the worst thing that could possibly happen to you and me? Jacob and I talked about this yesterday. What do you think would be the very worst thing that could ever happen to you? You know, I've been reading the news and I've seen about these wildfires and how that they're just burning thousands of acres and killing animals, the cows, out in West Texas. I mean, they burned up people's hay. They burned up their houses. They've even burned up some people. I mean, these natural disasters that we hear about, the typhoons and the hurricanes. And Is that the worst thing that could happen to you, to be involved in something like that? Be in the middle of something like that? That'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? You say, well, yeah, that's bad, but... If I faced total financial ruin, I lost everything I had, and my family and I had to go live under a bridge. I mean, we had nothing, and we, there was no one to depend on. You talk about health care, I mean, we wouldn't have anything. Would that be terrible? Would that be a horrible, horrible... Can you imagine having to move your family to this street corner? And live there because you didn't have anywhere else to go. You had nothing. Is that the worst thing you can imagine happening? Let me say, well, that might be bad, but I tell you what, you hear the dreaded C word, cancer. You find out that the doctor tells you, here's a death sentence. You're not going to survive. That'd be bad, wouldn't it? Some of you may have heard those words at some point in your life. It's frightening, terrifying. You're going to die and you're not going to make it out of this. Is that the worst thing that could happen to you? To know that you have some terrible disease that is going to kill you for sure, but it's not going to be quick. It's going to be slow and painful. That would be awful, wouldn't it? 
What about maybe losing a spouse? You know, you become one. You spend your lives together. And you become like one person. And then that spouse dies. Some of you have lost a spouse. I can't imagine the loneliness and the heartache, the emptiness. That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? You know, to me as a father, your child just disappearing and you never find out what happened to him. Can you imagine the horror? And that would just be horrible to think that your own child just gone. And you never know. You, de- you never know what happened to him. Is there anything worse than that? I say, well, I don't know. What if any, you pick any of these things and you have to sit there in guilt knowing that it was your fault that this happened? I mean, it's your fault that the wildfires spread because you threw something out you shouldn't have thrown out. Or it's your fault that you've got cancer. Or it's your fault that your spouse died. You did something foolish or it's your fault your child disappeared you weren't paying attention the guilt that would bear on you and beat on you wouldn't that be horrible I mean these things are horrific but I want you to know all of those as bad as those are are not the worst thing that could happen to you Jesus talked about the worst possible thing that could happen to you. Jacob read it for us this morning. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The worst thing that could ever happen to you would be to die thinking you're going to heaven and really go to hell. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. To think, I'm right with God. To think, I'm going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And instead I hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And then it's too late. There's nothing can be done to fix that. You can't undo it. You can't change it. You can't go back. And what concerns me, what bothers me, is I believe that in America and sometimes in the churches you attend are people who are deceived. People who think, well, you know what? I go to church. I was raised in a Christian home. I go to church. I, went, I got baptized. I heard the preacher and I walked up and I got dunked in the tub of water. And I tried to be a good person. I tried to do some good stuff. Didn't go to church every Sunday, but you know I tried as much as I could. Got there as often as possible. And they think they're okay with God, and they're not. And they're going to hear, depart from me. I want you to know that's terrible. That's worse than all these other things we've talked about. You know, when Jesus had those crowds, and when we have a big crowd, you know what I want to say? I want to say, welcome, we are glad you're here. I hope you come back next week. That's what I want to say. I want people to hear the message, and I want them to be uplifted and encouraged, and we want as many people as possible to come. But what did Jesus say? 
You know, when Jesus had this big crowd and He's about to die and He's got all these people from all these different places, all these different motives, all these different things going on in their lives, I want to read to you what Jesus said to these people. Now great multitudes accompanied Him and He turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not first sit down and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other's yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's what Jesus said. He starts with this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yea, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Is that the first thing you'd say to a big group of people who came to hear? That's the first thing Jesus said. He said, you love your family? What about mom and dad? you love your mom and dad? I love my parents. I mean, they're good people. Many of you know my parents. They're just, my dad is the most honest, decent man I've ever known in my life. They're good people. Jesus looked out at that crowd and he said, I'm going to tell you something. You love your mom and dad? If you want to follow me, you have to hate them. What about your brothers and sisters? Do you love your brothers and sisters? One of my sisters is sitting here today. I love my sister and mother, sister, and my brother and their spouses, all the kids and family. We've got a great family. I love being a part of that family. Jesus said, if you don't hate your brothers and sisters, you can't follow me. Really? What about your wife and your kids? You know my wife. She's normally with me. She's up visiting our grandbaby. Wife and kids. You love your kids? You love your wife? Can't you love your wife? She's special, isn't she? Jesus said, if you're not willing to hate your wife, to hate your children, you can't follow me. You can't be my disciple. What about your own life? You afraid to die? Are you afraid to die? Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to be willing to give up your own life. I mean, die. You've got to really be willing to give up your own life if you want to follow me. 
Because where I'm going, things are not going to be easy. Where I'm going, things are not going to be a walk in the park. Where I'm going, things are not going to be all candy canes and sugar and spice and everything nice. But where I'm going, it's going to be ugly. Where I'm going, it's going to be difficult. And you know what? If you're not interested in that, if you're not willing to hate your parents, if you're not willing to hate your children, your spouse, your siblings, if you're not willing to give up your own life, just go to the house. Don't bother. Don't bother following me because you can't be one of my disciples. Being a disciple is not some easy, simple thing that you can do. Jesus was very direct and very sincere. He says, if you're not willing to do away with all of that, you cannot be my disciple. You know what cannot means? It means it's impossible. You can't be my disciple. If you're not willing to walk away from your family, you can't be my disciple. If you're not willing to walk away from everything you have, you can't be my disciple. You know, we try to bring crowds here. Bruce said in his prayer that he prayed that the church would grow not just spiritually but numerically, right? We'd love to have this building so full that we've got to have another building because there's not room here, wouldn't we? We talk about that. We'd love that. We want people to come. Oh, come back, come back, come back. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus, when he stood up in front of the crowd, he said, Listen, if you don't mean this, just go away. Somebody came to Jesus and they said, Lord, we want to follow you. Can we come with you? People were always asking Jesus, Can we follow you? Can we come with you? Jesus wasn't always begging people to come. They were coming to him. And you know what he said? He said, You want to come with me? I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. I'm going to be sleeping on a rock somewhere. You want to come to me? You willing to sleep, be homeless tonight? You willing to sleep on a rock? That's what coming with me means. Somebody said, Lord, I want to come to you, but let me go home first. And do. He said, just go. If you don't want to come, just go. But if you want to come with me, you let the dead bury the dead. Don't you go bother to have a funeral for your family. If you're going to come with me, you need to follow me. Jesus was skeptical of all these people. And Jesus was saying this, If I am not more valuable to you than everyone else, if I'm not more valuable to you than everything else, if I'm not here and them down here, you can't follow me. Look what he says. He says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know what that meant to bear your cross? I know we kind of make that, oh, well, he said cross, but he didn't really mean cross. He just meant your burdens and you got to stand. No. What he was telling people is this. You want to follow me? See that hill out there? Later today, I may be on that hill hanging on a cross with nails in me. They're going to kill me. You want to come with me? You've got to be willing to grab a cross and die next to me on the hill. That's what it means to take your cross. It means I'm willing to give up everyone and everything. Can you imagine if Jesus were to come here and say that to you right now? You want to follow me? Come on, let's go. Leave it all behind. I just had my first grandbaby. <laughs> Lord, I, I, love, I, I love you, Lord. 
but I got to at least one weekend a month get to see the grandbaby, right? Would you go? If Jesus walked out the door and said, I'm leaving, and you come with me or don't bother, would you go? That's what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. It takes that. You know, we, we try so hard to make it easy on people. And I know why we do that. We do that because we love people. I, I love my children. I want them to believe in Jesus. I love my friends. I want them to follow Jesus. Don't you? You want them to. And we try to make it. We go, oh, just come be a Christian. It's not that hard. Just, just stay with the Lord. You can go ahead and smoke pot and sleep with your girlfriend. That's okay. Just, just come and accept Jesus. And that's not true. You can't do that and follow Jesus. You can't live your own life. Read this book. People say, well, God is love. Yes, God is love. God is love more than you can ever imagine love. John 3.16, Whosoever believeth in me should, or believeth in him, the Son of God, should not perish but have everlasting life. See, it just says believe. That's all you got to do. That's not all you got to do. You got to keep reading in the book. Down in verse 36, it says, He who believes will have everlasting life. You know what the rest of that sentence says? But those who do not believe... No, it doesn't say that. It says, those who do not obey will have the wrath of God abiding on them. It's not just a casual thing. It's costly. I mean, you've got to be willing to give it all up. Everything for Jesus Christ. You say, well... I don't know, you may be taking that passage a little too strong there, preacher. I'm not sure he really meant that. Well, let's go ahead and read. He says, Which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Build a tower. Build something in your life. You build something, right? Or you try to. You plan to. Out on uh, North Dallas Tollway, not far from where Larry lives, there's a great old big hole in the ground, isn't there, Larry? Big old hole. You know why? People started to build and weren't able to finish. They started and they went bankrupt. They lost it all. You know what Jesus' argument here is? Is this. When, if you're going to follow me, you need to count the cost before you start. You need to make sure that you're not going to get part way in and then quit. You need to be sure that you're willing to give up everything you own to make sure it gets finished. Spend it all, every dime, every penny, if that's what it costs, to make sure it gets finished. You decide that before you start. You know why? Because Jesus isn't interested in people who are just going to go halfway. Jesus has no, no desire to have a whole bunch of people start and then quit partway down the road. I want you to think back to when you first became a Christian. Do you remember that? Were you willing to do anything for Jesus? Anything, weren't you? 
I mean, you'd, you'd do anything for Him. And you get a few years in and, well, yeah, I know. I know, man, I need to work. I need to try it. And next thing you know, you see the problem with trying to convince people who won't repent, who won't turn away from sin, who won't reject the lifestyle they've been living and trying to convince them to come to church anyway and to call themselves a Christian anyway, is the truth is they're going to quit someday. They're going to quit. If they won't do what Jesus says do, they'll quit someday. And Jesus says, I don't want that. I'm not interested in somebody who's not willing to count the cost. You love your friends. You love your family. Jesus says, you know what? You love them. Aren't your kids cute? My kids were cute. Look at this. How adorable. <laughs> Just sitting there smiling. Kids are cute. Jesus says, I made your kids. I'm here and they're here. And if I'm not here and them here to you, you can't be my disciple. You can't follow me. You need to decide now. Are you at some point going to put your kids above Jesus? You've got to decide now. Are you willing to spend everything you've got? He doesn't need people who find out later the cost is high and then quit. You find out now before you start. You find out at the beginning, and that's what Jesus is telling all these people who are there crowded around Him. He said, do you know where I'm going? I'm going to a cross, folks. I'm going to die. You're not going to get a bigger house if you follow me. You're likely to have no house if you follow me. You know, we, there's a wicked, wicked teaching in, in the Christian church in America today. And that is God loves you so much, He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to have no problems. He wants to make your business go well. That's not what Jesus said. It's not. Read your Bible. The only way you're going to know is to read this book. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, He wants good for you. But the truth is, Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to go to heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. You, know, you go over to Nigeria and you talk to them, Yancey, about leave this slum. We got something better for you. And they're ready to go, right? What they got to lose? North Texas is different. <laughs> Most of us, most of you, you got, you got a lot to give up, don't you? you got a lot to lose, don't you? Jesus said, man, that's hard. That's hard. It's hard to walk away from a lot. It's hard to give up everything. It's hard to walk away, not just financially, but relationally. you got good, close family. You love everyone. That's hard. Jesus said, I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to think this is going to be easy. I'm worth it. I'm a treasure. And I'll see to it you can make it. But I am worth everything you got. And it's going to cost everything you got to follow me. He goes ahead and he says this. What king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? He says... You're going to go to war? When you go to war, you're going to decide before you get to that battle whether you can win that battle or not. Right? 
What if I were to tell you, hey folks, we are going to battle today. I hope you came ready to fight because we're going to have a war today. And we are going to go to battle against I don't know, Denton Bible Church, some great big church here in town. And we're going to have a war with them and it's going to get real. You go, man, they are way bigger than us. Are you crazy? You see, folks, you're being recruited into a war. Christianity is a battle. It's a war. And you know what Jesus said? He said, you need to know right up front, the enemy's big. They're bigger than we are. There's more of them than there are of us. And it may cost you blood on the battlefield. You know, what kind of a soldier would it be that just went out ready to fight, ready to run out, I'm going to... Whoa! Look at all those people. I mean, did you ever hear of a soldier running back to his commanding officer going, They're shooting at me! Really? What do you think was going to happen? This is a war. Jesus said, they're going to kill me. And if you want to follow me, you grab a cross. Jesus said, the world hates me, and so it's going to hate you. Don't get surprised if the enemy hates you. Jesus said, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you if you follow me. If you walk with me, and it may be your family that does it. It may be the closest friend you've got that turns on you. But they will. You better believe they will. This is a battle. It's a war. You go into this thinking, well, I might die. Yeah. Absolutely, you might die. And Jesus wants you and I to know that before. You know what Jesus said? He said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. He said, you're a sheep. And there's wolves out there. Did you ever hear of a sheep whipping a wolf? <laughs> that don't happen. Jesus said, I'm sending you out like a sheep and a bunch of wolves. The only way the sheep makes it is if there's a shepherd that's with him that fights for him. And Jesus said, I'll be your shepherd. I love you. I love you this much. I love you a way that nobody has ever loved you before, ever. And nobody ever will love you again. And I'll see to it that you can make it. I'll put my spirit in you. I'll see to it that you can make it. But you're not going to make it if you aren't willing to fight and die. You're not going to make it if you're not willing to turn against everything. His next sentence is this. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. You have to renounce everything. Are you sure you want to go out there and fight an army that's twice our size? Are you sure? Really? If you are, then come on. If you're not sure, just go to the house. Don't bother us. When you're rich, it's hard to turn your back on everything. And we're rich. I'm not just talking money. We're rich. We got good health. We got good friends. I mean, look at this. And I see and I hear, well, you know the singing wasn't very good at church today. Really? Are you kidding me? This is a war. And you're worried about they sang songs too slow or too fast or old ones that you didn't like? 
Well, I don't like that preacher. He's not one of my favorites. Really? Well, you know, I'm real busy this week. I, I would have got to church, but I got a lot of things going on. You know, it's not like I'm just sitting around the house doing nothing. Stuff I got's important. I got work. Yeah, absolutely. And Jesus says, fine, if that's what you want, you go to work. If that's what you want, you go and do whatever it is you need to do. But if you want to follow me, you've got to be willing to walk away from all of it. You've got to be willing to go sleep under a bridge tonight. You've got to be willing to go and die on the battlefield. You've got to be willing to take the hateful abuse that may come from the people you love most in this world when you stand up and say what's true. You know, Jesus just told it the way it was, didn't He? I mean, He didn't mince words. He didn't try to make it all sound flowery and good. He just told the truth. The truth is, I don't want you to sit in this service today thinking you're right with God and not be right with Him. That would be horrible. You know, when you read this book, how do you know what this book says? Well, I heard a good preacher. How do you know he wasn't lying to you? Some really good preachers tell lies in the name of God. How do you know? The only way you can know is if you'll bother to read this thing from cover to cover. Over and over and over. That's the way you know I'm not lying to you right now. Is you read this book yourself. By yourself. To yourself. And you think about it. Have you ever read the words in red? The words of Jesus? Pick it up and read it. You know, there's preachers all over this town tell you, stand up and ask Jesus into your heart and you'll be saved forever. This book doesn't say that. It's not in here. You know what Jesus said? He said, you've got to repent. You've got to turn away from your sin. You can't live that way anymore. You can't keep doing what you did and call yourself a Christian because you're not a Christian. A Christian's one who will follow me and walk after me and go where I go and do what I do. And if you won't do that, if you won't do that, you're not my disciple. You can't be my disciple. And then he says this, salt is good. Really? What? When I read that, I thought, okay, I agree, salt is good. Do you agree? Salt is good. I like salt. Probably a little too much. Salt is good. But if it has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? He says, if you got salt and it doesn't have any flavor, then how's it going to be restored? It's of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He says, salt is not worth anything if it doesn't flavor the food. That's its purpose, is to flavor and preserve the food, right? And if it won't flavor and preserve the food, it's useless. It's got no value. Why does he say that? He's still talking about the same thing. I uh, got some salt here. You know, Jesus said, we're salt of the earth. We're the light of the world, right? That didn't turn it pour out real easy, does it? Got some salt there. Christians are the salt. We're supposed to preserve the world. We're supposed to 
make the world a better place. Have we been doing? Have we been doing preserving America as Christians? Not too good, have we? Look at that. Jesus said salt is good. He said, but if you got salt that has no value, salt that has no flavor, what's the purpose of the salt? Now, we got a little bit of salt here, but Jesus says this is the bad stuff. This is the fake stuff. This is the stuff that has no value. And what we say is, wow, you know what? Look at that. Wouldn't that be awesome if we had a church like that? Hallelujah. Look at that pile of salt now. Look at that pile. And Jesus says, you look at this. It's, what's the point? Why would you do that? Why would you just heap to yourselves more and more people who, who are useless, empty salt? What's the point? Well, there is, well we know what the point is. The point is because i got a big pile now. <laughs> and I like a big pile, don't you? I mean, we all like a big pile, right? But you got a pile of what? Of nothing. Jesus says... It's worth less than dirt. You know, dirt is good. You've got to have dirt to grow plants, grow food, right? You plant that down in the dirt. That's... But if you take dirt that's good dirt, and you put all of this tasteless salt in the dirt, you know what that does to the dirt? It ruins it. He says manure is good. You've got a pile of manure. And he says that's good. We use manure for fertilizer, don't we? Mix it into the soil. The, the manure's good for plants. But if you take the manure and you just pile it up and pile it up with this dead, useless salt, it's worse than manure. It ruins the manure. Get what Jesus is saying to these people. He's saying, you are worth less to me than a pile of manure if you're useless salt. You have no value. Jesus called for you and I to serve Him. And I want you today to know that you can't do that half-heartedly. You can't do that and never pick up and read your Bible. You just won't know. You can't do that and make a half-hearted commitment to Him and put everyone else and everything else right here even with Him and, and live your life doing this. Jesus and them, Jesus and them. Jesus. You can't do that. You may think you can, but you can't. You know how you're going to know if I'm telling you the truth today or not? Read it. Read it for yourself. You've read the words this morning. You've heard what Jesus said. Pick up your Bible and read and see. And quit making compromises. You can't negotiate with God. You can't negotiate with the devil. You can't have part of it. Jesus said, you have to love me with your whole heart, with everything you've got. And if there are things that are more important to you today, then you're fooling yourself if you think you're a disciple of God. Jesus said, you can't be my disciple if you're not willing to use that. And then he ends with this phrase that he uses over and over and over in Scripture. 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He said, I know some of you don't have ears to hear. Some of you don't want to hear what I'm saying. Go. But if you've got ears to hear, listen. Jesus, as these crowds gathered around one time, he told them, he said, you know what? If you really want to be with me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You know what the Bible says happened? There were thousands, and when he finished that sermon, there were 12. Everybody else left. Everybody else said, man, that dude's weird. I, I am not going there. They weren't willing to follow him. They weren't willing to do whatever it takes. That's what baptism is all about. You're baptized into Jesus Christ. You're put into Him. You're overwhelmed with Him. You're inside Jesus. Why? Because that's the only place there's salvation. And when you're there, you'll go where He goes and you'll do what He says and you'll love Him and you'll serve Him and He'll be more important to you than your wife and your kids and your job and your pride. And all these other things that are so important in our lives. He'll be more important than that. He'll be more important than, oh, I'm sad. Sorry you're sad. It's going to be miserable sometimes to serve the Lord. You still serve Him. So if He has ears to hear, let Him hear. That's what I say to you today. You got ears to hear? Have you heard this and said, yeah, you know what? I want on that. I'm ready to go. I'm not going to play games. You haven't been baptized into Christ? It's very simple. Not easy, but simple. It's the beginning of a life. You say, I, I want that. I'm willing to do it. Whatever He tells me to do, I'll do. Count the cost. Count the cost. But if you counted the cost and you're willing and there's something you hadn't given up, give it up today. There's something you're holding on to, quit holding on to it. If there's something you're using to justify in your own mind your problems and your issues and your, your sin, just quit. If it's your money you're holding on to, get rid of it. Just give it up. If it's relationships, whatever it is. If you're not willing to do that, okay. But don't die deceived. Don't die thinking you're okay with God if you won't. Because you've got to be willing to give it all and go for Jesus. If there's any way we can help you with that, you want to be baptized, you want to publicly proclaim that you're giving up something for Jesus that's been a problem for you, and you need to come forward and ask us to pray for you, we'd be happy to do that or baptize you into Christ. Anything you need spiritually, if you'll make that known while we stand and sing.